Great to be with you today. I, uh, I had a cold earlier this week, and it was awesome. Because <laughs> parents, I don't know if you get this, but I'm like, I was like, I got sick, and I'm like, everyone's leaving me alone. I canceled all my appointments. I was like, Lord, is it bad to pray for sickness? Um, no, but it really, it really was nice. But the, the best part about being sick was um, I spent a couple days where I read four or five hours a day, and it was just wonderful. Um, and the book I'm reading is this book. It's called We Become What We Worship. And today what I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about being an image bearer. You are an image bearer. You are one who is called to bear the image of God in this world. And this book starts with a very simple concept. So the author is a scripture scholar named G.K. Beale. He says this. He says, When my two daughters, Hannah and Nancy, were about two or three years old, I noticed how they imitated and reflected my wife and me. That's going to be important. They not just imitate their parents, but they reflect them in some way. They cooked, fed, and disciplined their play animals and their dolls just the way my wife cooked, fed, and disciplined them. They gave play medicine to their dolls just the way we fed them medicine. Our daughters also prayed with their stuffed animals and dolls the way we prayed with them. Most people, I am sure, have seen this with children. And here's the key line. When children only begin, or they only begin, what we continue to do as adults. We imitate, we reflect, sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously. You are someone who bears the image of God. At least you're called to be that. And I was praying and thinking about this this week, and sometimes we know this, right? We all know that uh, sometimes we consciously imitate someone or something. One of my favorite memories of this is from one of our families. They sent me a photo years ago, and two of their boys were playing mass. And the older brother was me, and he made the younger brother behave and sit in the pews, right? <laughs> and they sent me a photo, and the older brother had, like, a Bible, and he's like... <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, man, I, must, I don't know if you guys feel that way for me <laughs> at Sunday Mass. But I love that. That's probably a more conscious, right, imitation. Uh, sometimes we don't do it as consciously. Sometimes it's just kind of inside of us where we all unconsciously portray an image to the world. The last time I went to go pay, buy a pair of glasses, I was overdue. I went, I wasn't in my collar, and this woman at the eyeglass store was helping me, and she kept pushing these like modern, very hip, multicolored glasses, and I was like, no, no. And then we found these ones, and I was like, I love these. She's like, no, 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 you don't want those. Um, and we, we thought about it for a while, and I was like, and I looked at her and I said, 
I'm a Catholic priest. And she goes, oh. <laughs> she really did. And she looked at me, she goes, I get it. <laughs> and I thought, like, I'm not trying to look unattractive. Like, is that, like, is that what I'm trying to, to convey? But she was like, yeah, those are totally priest glasses. <laughs> and probably subconsciously, that's what I was thinking. It probably was. You were made to reflect an image into the world. You were made for that. And so, brothers and sisters, you should know this if you're here last weekend. Today we finish up our stewardship of generosity that we do once a year. If you've been going to Lourdes, I preach about money once a year, every year. And what I want to do today is, first thing is I just want to thank you because you are generous. This congregation is a very faithful and generous congregation. And I think you get it. But what I want to do today is I want to talk about this, this idea of us being image bearers to take us a level deeper. To really go deeper because what this, this idea that you and I were meant to bear the image of God and that we reflect an image into the world for good or for ill, that idea should touch not just our money, but it should touch what you do after Mass today. It should touch what's on the radio in your car. It should affect who you spend your evenings with and how you do uh, your free time and how much you pray. It should touch everything in your life. So we all know that passage, right? Genesis 1, 26 and 27. All through the creation story, God goes through and he makes all kinds of things. And he, when he makes living things, he said, it says, so God uh, made the trees, each according to their kind. And he made the birds of the air according to their kind, and all the fish in the waters according to their kind. And it repeats itself. And so you get to mankind, and we expect God to say, God made human beings according to their kind. But he doesn't say that. And we're meant to notice that in the Genesis story. Everything else is made according to its kind. But then there's this big pause in Genesis 1.26. And God says, let us make man in our image and likeness. Let them have dominion over all that swims in the sea and all that flies in the sky and over everything that crawls on the earth. And God creates Adam and Eve. He calls them to be fruitful and multiply and to have dominion over the earth. And today what I want to talk to you about is that the center of our Christian life is worship. When you and I love God, when we submit our lives to Him, when we love Him first, not second or third, not seventh, we love Him first, what happens is we reflect His image into the world around us. 
and we fulfill the vocation that God has given us. Being made in the image and likeness of God, brothers and sisters, is not just a gift, it is a gift. It's also a responsibility. It's that you and I, as, as men and women made in God's image and likeness, we are called to reflect His glory, His truth, His mercy, His justice into the world around us. And you may have heard me say this, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot recently. This is why, biblically, the greatest sin in the Bible is idolatry. The greatest sin in the Bible is the worship of false gods. And as we talk about money, right, we all know this, the three big idols in the world are power, pleasure, and money. You probably do not have a statue of Apollo in your closet, right? You don't have, you don't have some sacred pole, you know, outside your house that you dance around and worship. But you are tempted, just like I am, to make number one in your life power, pleasure, and money. So the Book of Wisdom says this, Wisdom, uh, and by the way, I hope you get the flock note. If you haven't signed up for flock note, please do that. One of the best things about that is if something ever hits you in a homily, the notes come out through flock note, and you can say, what was that passage Father Brian quoted? And then you can look in the flock note, and it'll say, okay, wisdom, chapter 13 and 14, and you can go home this week and pray with those chapters and listen to the Word of God as it speaks. Wisdom chapters 13 and 14 are massive critiques of false gods. And they're the, by the way, they're the key background to St. Paul's Romans chapter 1. When Paul writes Romans 1, he has his mind firmly set on wisdom 13 and 14. But here's what wisdom 14 says. Wisdom 14, 27, it says, The worship of gods, of false gods, of idols, who are not to be named, is the beginning and cause of... Let me start over. It's the beginning and cause and end of every evil. Listen to that one more time. The worship of idols not to be named is the beginning and cause and end of every evil. If you read Romans chapter 1, Paul's going to take that idea and he's going to put it right there in Romans 1. And here's the deal. When I have a problem with sin in my life, my first response is I'm just not trying hard enough. And I'm like, you know what? I like a nice glass of wine a little bit too much, so I need to go on an alcohol fast. Or you know what, I've been really irritable and angry at people, and so I need, I need to be more disciplined and control my thoughts. And those things are good, brothers and sisters. They're, those are good things. But the biblical teaching is that when you have a problem with immorality, the root cause is a false god in your heart. The root cause of our sins is when we worship something false. 
This is such a temptation. This is why Satan comes after us and he wants us to worship false things, right? In Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus is tempted by Satan, the greatest temptation, the third temptation, he says, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world if you just bow down and worship me. The way Satan wants to fight against God is he wants his good creatures, men and women, to worship something false and to reflect that falsehood into the world. So wisdom teaches us that the beginning of all of our sins really starts with the worship of a false god. The second point is this, is that you and I, when we worship God, what happens, and you've met people like this, there's different degrees of this, when you meet someone who loves God, they're not perfect, but they really love God. They have given their life to Him. They give their time to Him. They give their money to Him. They give their hopes and their fears and their past and their future to Him. When you meet people like that, when you hang around them, you feel like you've been around God. And that's no mistake. They are image bearers. People would always say this. John Paul II's feast day was on Saturday or yesterday. When you were around John Paul II, I never got that privilege. But people always said that. They're like, when you walk, when you walk with John Paul II, you just felt like you were close to God. Because he reflected the image of God into the world around him. What you worship, you're going to reflect for good or for ill. So Psalm 115 is huge on this. Psalm 115 says this. This is verse 4. Let's start in verse 3. Verse 3 of Psalm 115, Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever He pleases. Their idols are silver and gold. Right? Idols are always attractive. Right? They're always attractive. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. And here's the key part. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them are like them. So are all who trust in them. Brothers and sisters, you become what you worship. You become what you worship. And knowingly or unknowingly, when we worship money, when we worship pleasure, when we worship power, when we worship ourselves, what happens is we convey that to the world around us. We reflect it into the world. And the tragedy of all this is that you and I are above all of those things. You are much more important than money. 
You are much more important than power. You are much more important than pleasure. You are above all those things. And in Genesis 1, to go back to that image, man and woman made in the image and likeness of God, God in that same passage talks about Adam and Eve having dominion over the earth. When we worship God, we have authority over these things. But when we love created things more than God, they gain authority over us. You become like what you worship. This is the heart of why you and I submit our finances to God. The reason we do this, brothers and sisters, is not for a beautiful church. I believe in beautiful churches. That's why we did a beautiful renovation. It helps us to understand God's beauty. I think that's important. We don't give our money, though, for that. We don't give our money because we need to pay the bills and the parish staff. We do need to do those things. We give our money because we worship God. And if you do not worship God, brothers and sisters, if you do not cast down your idols in front of him, something else will take his place. It always does. You will worship something else. If you, if you worship power, you will start to understand people around you. You'll always view them through that lens. You'll see them as rivals and competitors and threats. If you worship pleasure, you'll be obsessed with how you look. And you'll view others through the lens of lust. Right? And if we worship money, right, we start to think of the whole world through that lens. What you love becomes your God, and you become like that false God or the true God. This is our mission, brothers and sisters. And by the way, this is all over Scripture. So it's no mistake when Moses, Moses gives his whole life to God. And in Exodus 33, he goes up on the mountain and talks to God. And when he comes down, he radiates the glory of God into the world. He becomes the living reflection of God's presence. Jesus, in Luke chapter 9, goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and his whole appearance is transfigured to radiate the glory of God the Father. And Jesus is the true image of God in the world. This is our calling. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, St. Paul says this, Paul says, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being changed into His likeness from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The more you give your life to God, Jesus, the more that I can see your glory, the more I'm able to reflect your glory into the world around me. 
we had more time, I would love to tell you how actually all of the early church believed that Adam and Eve radiated God's glory before the fall. Universally held in the early church. That Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden radiated the light of God's glory. But when they worshipped something false, they lost it. So many of our sins, brothers and sisters, we're so tempted to think, I just, I just have a weakness here, God. And maybe you do. Maybe I do. Or maybe our heart's off in this way or that way. But brothers and sisters, our problems with sin are always, always, always about who we worship. It's always about that. And I just know in my own life as a priest over 11 years, the moments that I draw closest to God aren't because I was disciplined. It's not because I tried harder. I might have done that as well. It's because I put him back on his throne. Balthazar says this. You know he had to make it in here somewhere. (laughs) Balthazar, when he talks about the epiphany, right, when the, the magi come and they give their gifts to Jesus after he's born, he says this. So, so the kings, right, they come and they lay their treasures before him. Balthazar says that's what it means to be a Christian. He says, when God appears among us, we are dethroned. When God appears among us, we are dethroned. We belong to him. And all of our treasures are his. This is at the logic of tithing, but it's at the logic of so many other things. The world tells us that happiness is when I have all these other things in my life and I possess them. Happiness is not that I possess all these things. Happiness, brothers and sisters, is that I am possessed by Him. I'm above money. I am above power. I am above pleasure. Those things are not evil, but they are below me. And they are below you. I am someone who is made in the image and likeness of God himself. And Jesus my joy and my happiness and my vocation in life is that you would be on the throne of my heart and that I would reflect your glory to the world around me. This is our vocation, brothers and sisters. I have one last thought for you today. I want to finish with our gospel, Luke 18. I was laughing, we schedule our tithing talks, and we, I, I'm never ahead of the ball, so I never look at the readings ahead of time. We just schedule them in October. And this year, I've laughed when I saw the gospel for today, because the Pharisee, the hypocrite, tithes on everything. Did you hear that? 
The Pharisee stood and prayed with himself, God, I thank you, I am not like other men. If your prayer ever starts that way, by the way, you know you're in trouble. (laughs) Thank you, God, I'm not like those Presbyterians. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I get. And so here's the important caveat. You and I have to listen to the Word of God. The Word of God has to be in our souls, and we have to let it correct us when we're off base. Last thought today, brothers and sisters, there is such a thing as counterfeit religion. There is such a thing as counterfeit religion. And it's dangerous for people like you and me. The Pharisee does a bunch of good things, doesn't he? In fact, what he references here is above and beyond what's required of him. Jews are not required to fast even once a week. He fasts twice a week. Jews are not required to tithe everything, only certain parts of their income. But he tithes on everything. And so, brothers and sisters, I hope you know this, but this is massively important, right? The problem with the Pharisees is they have a counterfeit religion. They have used religion to place themselves on God's throne. They have used religion to place themselves on God's throne. The key to all of this is when we love God first, which is the centerpiece, then we fulfill the law the right way. But if we don't love God, if we don't put Him first, if He doesn't dethrone us, nothing else matters. All of our works become polluted. We have to love God first. Today, when you go home in this week, spend some time today, pray. Pray about this. What's the idol in your life? Maybe it's money. One one of the ones I think in all of our lives is busyness. We think we always have to be busy. People ask me, like, Father Brian, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm busy. I've got to stop saying that. I'm going to just start saying, Father Brian, how are you? I'm going to say, I'm miserable. Life's terrible pray for me, right? (laughs) We worship busyness. You know how you sacrifice that? You don't work on Sundays. If you are at all able, you don't work on Sundays. You know what else you don't do on Sundays? You don't be a consumer. You do not feed the materialistic culture of our society. It's okay. Somebody asked me after the last Mass, I said, Father Brian, can I rake leaves today? And I was like, no. No, just kidding. (laughs) Yes, you can rake leaves. Of course you can. Can you do laundry? Of course you can. But don't feed materialism on a Sunday. Sunday belongs to God. Jesus, may no idol reign in our hearts. None of them. Jesus, at your appearance, may all of our idols be cast out. May they be submitted to you. Jesus, may you reign in our hearts. And Lord, may we reflect your image to the world around us.